0: Welcome to the Sex, God, and Chaos podcast. A conversation built to help you address the mess, connect the dots, and defeat addiction. Doing your work matters because if nothing changes, then nothing changes. Life is tough and we're here to help. I'm your host, Ben Derrick, and as always, I'll be joined by Roan Hunter. Let's jump right in. Roan, another episode of the greatest podcast to have ever been a podcast.
1: Oh, there, there's no doubt. You know, I mean, it's, it's just blown up. Uh, it actually is kind of, it's interesting to see the numbers.
0: Isn't it cool it, you were it, about to make a joke, I but was, it's actually true. I
1: know. I was like, <laughs> dang, uh, it, it actually is. We're getting some traction. So I think maybe what we're putting out there might be uh, worthwhile.
0: Yeah, I think that's part of a bigger lesson. And you, you, you hope you're being helpful. But then when you see that the content content actually is helpful, mm. Such an encouragement, and uh, has definitely redoubled our efforts to make sure that we're getting these episodes out in a timely fashion, which was uh, mostly my job, actually. So uh, you get the people in here, and then I put the stuff out, right? Yeah,
1: there you go, and and certainly uh, for just for our listeners, for those of you that are benefiting, man, we would ask that you you know leave us a review, uh, send us a note, um, you know, uh, pass this on to friends, people you know. Um, Uh, I would say, you know, share it with your pastor, but it would, you know, he he, it would freak him out or something. Can I? No doubt about it. I always do it. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. I
0: mean, if the shoe fits, right? (laughs) Yeah. So, um, listen, there are a couple of times in a person's life where you're sitting in the room with someone and they just Mm. mesmerize you. (laughs) You know, we had the similar experience when we were listening to Nate Larkin tell his story on that episode. It was just kind of this dumbfounded overwhelm listening to Nate be so honest about his story. With our next guest, I had a very similar feeling. How about you?
1: Dude, Carver's just one of those guys um, that that when you meet him, it's it's like, man, I need to spend some more time with that guy. Yeah. Uh, and that's the common, I mean, that's happened in about every setting I've been with him.
0: Exactly. It's like you, we have these predetermined categories that we try to fit people in, especially when we meet new people. Okay. What, what kind of guy is this? What kind of person? You to know, drop in a category and you can't do that with this guy and it drives you crazy. And you're like, wait a minute. I think I have this guy figured out. And then he, and then he says that magic phrase. Do you mind if I tell another story? <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, beautiful. Stop asking me that. The <laughs> answer is, of course I don't mind. Start yeah. with your story, right? Oh
1: yeah. Man, Carver Brown is just again. um, Man, we it's fortunate we're fortunate to get to just sit with these guys and and women um, that we um, man we just are able to glean so much and offer it to our listeners. And Carver Brown is one of those guys. Uh, He has just recently joined forces uh, with our um, with our team, and uh, he is um, he's just got lots to offer.
0: He places this huge emphasis on connection. And we say often here, you know, connection is the cure for everything that ails us. Mm. And the way that he tells his story and just even the offshoots and the (laughs) details, and uh, he really highlights that connection was that first real open door for him to pursue health all those years ago, I cannot wait for our listeners to hear this.
1: I Man, what a gift!
0: Yeah. So, without further delay, we'll let you hear from <laughs> Carver Brown.
1: Man, I'm excited. Uh, we've got a good friend, uh, a guy that uh, just loved dearly. Um, he is. Uh, he's one of those guys when you just to hang around him a little bit, it's like, hmm, I need to hang around that guy some more. Um, I get that a lot um, with guys that have have met um, my good friend Carver Brown. Uh, Carver has uh, recently joined uh, LifeWorks Counseling, our counseling practice. Uh, he is a coach, um, and uh, I'll, I'll have him tell the story about the um, um what he asked uh, a mutual friend of ours, Dr. Patrick Carnes, about uh, going back and, and getting doing the counseling degree and doing that work. It's pretty funny from somebody that has two PhDs. But Carver is uh, someone that has just done a lot of different things in this world. Um, as I said, uh, Carver is a coach, and I've only been to like two... Mississippi Counseling Association somethings. Uh, And at both of those, uh, Carver wins, like gets the therapist of the year award. And I was like, okay, this is yeah, interesting, but uh, it just speaks to who Carver is and the work that he's done, and uh, I think it's just the fact he's old. He's been around. So, dude, uh, Carver, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank Glad you. you're
2: here with us. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. I mean, you guys are fun, you know, so this is this is fun. That's one way to put it, Carver. Well, yeah. hanging out with you is just a joy. I mean, Unfortunately, our minds kind of think alike, and that's, that's scary, <laughs> right. I got to say. I don't yeah, know.
1: That's dangerous. Yeah. Well, well, yes, is, it is. Is what that is. Yeah. There's
2: no doubt. But it's an honor to be here with you. I've been listening to the podcast, and you have had some distinguished guests on here that are highly credentialed and are you know real professionals, and now it's me. And I'm not any of those things. I don't feel any of that, you know. I don't have any initials after my name. I just, you know, but, you know, Providence has uh shined on me and allowed me to be in proximity with some just real giants in the recovery field and uh and I've done my own, you know, I, I bring it bring my own work to the table. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. I don't have uh I don't have the degrees and all of that, but I do have Uh, my experience. And my experience is one of, as we talked about last night, a series of surrenders, you know, where uh, I had my crisis, I think we've all had that. Hmm. And then I had to have my moment where I needed to get honest and I could only get as honest as I was able to, right? Mm -hmm. And then I have one surrender and then I suffer. And then I recognize, oh, I have another surrender I need to do, and then later on I suffer, and so it's been a series of those over over time, and that's what, uh, and, I, and I and perseverance I think there's a point in time in recovery where you know I don't want to compartmentalize my recovery, you know, I the the what brought me to the table was so vast that the solution has got to be vast. It's got to apply all these different areas of my life because anything I'm in control of, I'm in trouble. I'm a bad manager. I managed my life right into a residential mental health hospital. So I'm a I'm a bad manager. Quality effort there. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, you know, oh, yeah. yeah. You know, it's one of those, uh, don't follow me, you know, at the time. But now, you know, having had that experience and going to a zillion 12-step meetings and working with some gifted professionals. And I, I, don't know how, I don't know how I got here. You know, you can't draw a straight line from where I was to where I am. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm,
2: I feel that. Yeah, well, I'd love to
0: just, you've piqued my curiosity both um, previously and today. I'd love if you could paint between the lines a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, what is your story? Right, right.
2: It's, it's a story. Uh, yeah, I, you know, it all, I grew up in an alcoholic home. My dad was an uh, alcoholic. He was a World War II Marine Corps veteran. He was, uh, he was a marvelous man, but he was just an alcoholic. And my mom, over time, became alcoholic and addicted to pills. So, so what happened to me as a little guy, and, and we went to church, you know, we kind of looking back, we kind of went to church alcoholically. You know, I mean if the doors were open, we were there. there if it was a snowstorm, we were you know, we were we were sliding our way to church, baby. And and I believed the things that I was hearing from the pulpit. I really believed, but it wasn't matching the experience I was having at home. And my mom and dad were both only children, and they didn't know beans about identifying with little kids and they didn't know anything about emotional regulation. And and so I just didn't get the connection, the personal connection that I needed growing up. I, I wanted to connect with my dad and it was pretty superficial and I wanted to connect with mom and it was somewhat the same, a little better with mom. But that that void in my life sent me on a journey of trying to figure out like how to connect and And, you know, it was like everybody else had gotten the instruction manual for life and mine got lost in the mail. I didn't know. I just didn't. There was so much I didn't know. And I felt like I was just different and separate from everyone. And then I tasted alcohol. And all of a sudden, the fear went away. And then I found pornography. I found magazines. And all of a sudden, I felt a connection that was easy. It was effortless. All of a sudden, I could connect, and I didn't even have to talk to people because I was, I was afraid of girls. I didn't know. I had just very few very really close friends, but I just didn't feel connected to a lot of people. And that struggle just led me on uh, uh, just my history of trying to connect, trying to find different ways to connect, um, and I, I would I, I was a bit of a relationship junkie. I, I would stay in relationships way long after they were unworkable. I just couldn't I just couldn't say no it was some like a fear of abandonment and so I was projecting all of these family origin issues onto all of my love relationships going through life and they just, they ended poorly. I became a, I, I kind of laughingly say, a little bit of a serial marrier, <laughs> you know? I would, I just, I didn't know how to date, but I know how to marry you, <laughs> you know? And, and it was just one relationship after another. And I was beaten and broken and my alcohol use increased and then drugs came into the picture. And it just, and pornography was, was kind of like the background music of the entire affair. And it just led me to a weekend blackout. Uh, I, I was terrified at the end of that. I went to the place I was working, talked to the boss, said, I'm gonna be leaving for a little bit, put myself into a little jitter joint and, uh, and let the shaking begin. And and I, I had this recognition that you know that I could see alcohol and drugs was my problem, but intuitively I knew that if I didn't get rid of the pornography at the same time, that it that it was going to lead me back into the dark place that I had come from, and and in a sense the alcohol and and the drugs were easier to give up. You know that was a that it was hard. Now let me tell you, it was hard, but I kind of had this notion. After I had been sober a little bit, my wife had left me. Um, she was bipolar. Uh, when When somebody that's bipolar leaves you, that redefines alone. Um, it was you know, I think I laughingly say she came to me one day and she said, "We're both leaving, you know, and even the one I liked took off, and that was terrible. And so there I was, it was me and my cat Tammy Faye, you know, <laughs> hanging out at the at the house, you know. It was as if tumbleweeds would kind of roll through the living room. I mean, it was it was alone, baby. And and after a after a while of that, you know, and that ended in, you know, catastrophic failure. As I started to date again, I came to realize that that I it was the same type of relation. I was doing the same mm. stuff I'd always done. There just wasn't any drugs and alcohol present. So I needed to surrender. Here I go. I needed to surrender the the, the fact that I had an inability to do deep love and relationships because I did not know how to connect with people. Mm. And if I didn't stay off pornography and if I didn't work on myself, then I was going to still suffer. And I could see people who had overcome drugs and alcohol, but were still suffering from relationships. And I didn't wanna be one of them. Mm. I wanted to be free. I wanted I wanted all the promises that recovery had to offer. I wanted them all. And so that's where I dedicated myself and started realizing that I, I needed to, I just wasn't gonna do relationships for a while and I was gonna work on me. And I was gonna work on my emotional regulation I, I didn't know what that was, you know, but I was working with a therapist and and then, then all of a sudden I got offered to come down to Pine Grove Treatment Center down in Hattiesburg, Mississippi and develop their alumni program. And who's the first guy I meet down there, but Dr. Patrick Carnes. <laughs> and I walked in the room and I, you know, I, I just kind of, I didn't know him from Adam, you know, and I walked up and said, I'm Carver Brown, you know, and I'm here to build your alumni program. And he thought that was great. You know, I wasn't intimidated. I wasn't smart enough to be intimidated. And, and so we started working together and he treated me with value. Mm. He treated me from the get go. Like I knew what I was doing when I really, you know, didn't, you know, I knew how to be sober, but, but the, the gratitude program, which it is now, it was Gentle Path at the time. I I just fell in love with those clients. And Roan, it's like doing group with you now. I just fall in love with these guys. The Mm -hmm. earnestness, the the transparency. We're all like little boys in there talking about our issues. Mm -hmm. And it's captivating. And it's the most wonderful thing. Where else in the world can you get that level of honesty? Mm -hmm. Oh, my word. I just feel like I'm just dominating this conversation. It's kind of a one sided thing. It's
0: kind of officially why you're here. Oh, oh yeah. okay, okay. Well, <laughs> that's, I, it. I, that's I, the
2: point. The, the thing, bro, and I'll finish with this and take a breath, and you know, is that so? At the time, I was thinking, well, maybe I need to go back to school. You know, maybe I need to get you know a degree and you know get some initials after my name, and you know, so I could really help people because I had a heart for helping people. And that's what I was doing as the alumni coordinator and helping guys just, you know, stay in recovery. And, and, uh, and so I go to Patrick Carnes one day, double PhD, and I'm already anticipating the answer. You know, I'm already ready to, ready to sign up for classes. And I say to Dr. Carnes, I said, Dr. Carnes, I said, you know, I'm wondering if I shouldn't go back to school, get my degree, get a master's, you know. And and you know, to where I could really help people. And he didn't blink. He looked at me and he said, What why would you ruin a perfectly good thing with more education? <laughs> wow. Exactly. Yeah. I didn't yeah. I didn't see that one coming. But that's the kind of guy that, mm. that he is. And uh he years after a few years he left, went back to Arizona. And then a few years later, he contacted me. He had written a book called Gentle Path Through the 12 Principles, about the principles of recovery. And he offered me the opportunity to work with him on a three year project. And we took a team of people through the principles. We would meet once a quarter in Arizona. And Pat would brilliantly, I might add, deliver this content on the principle, and I would deliver on the step. and. so, so that was uh and 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 what I did was I took all of these 12-step fellowships and I looked at what what each of like maybe a dozen different fellowships had to say about each step. So, so what does SA say about step one versus SLAA versus SAA versus Al-Anon AA? You know, I started collecting big books and uh you know, and if, if you get Debtors Anonymous, uh, they won't take a credit card. <laughs> and and the and the and the big book that got to me the fastest, Workaholics Anonymous. It, they they almost sent it by by courier. It, it like showed up the next day at my doorstep. You know, I really am a good person. Here's your book. I got to go. Bye. I got more deliveries to make. And so so I I started look and I put together this uh, this series around around you know the steps of recovery but looking at it from all these different voices and Pat said that it never he wasn't aware that ever been done before and uh, so it's been a journey
0: man what a beautiful way to tell that story just oh. uh, so many details it makes me even more, more curious about more details which that's my experience of being with you. The first time we met, I, I got in my truck to drive away and I was like, I should have canceled the rest of my day oh, to, hear, to hear more details. But you just, you have that effect on people. Um, I have some questions if you're willing. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. One of the first I have is, you know, you, you talk about this appetite for health mm-hmm. uh, and it seemed like you combined it with this really large sense of loneliness, almost mm-hmm. overwhelming. I'm wondering for our listeners, you know, because a lot of people who are pursuing health or pursuing sobriety, because of their choices, because of others' choices around, they find themselves alone, mm-hmm. um, and it can often be hard to get motivated when you're alone. Right. I, I don't know if I'm connecting two things inappropriately there, but I'd love to hear your that moment where you're like, "I've got to have as much as." Health and sobriety
2: offers what? What did that? Right, right. Well, it was the breaking out of isolation because what? Because I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't working therapeutically in the beginning. I was doing all this in twelve step fellowships, and that can be, you know, the twelve step fellowships are no hotbed of mental health mm. if you've ever. Oh yeah, been to any of those meetings? Right. <laughs> so you have to you have to kind of find your you know pick and choose and find yeah. your thing. But I was blessed. I was blessed because I got a. I mean, I recognized. I was watching the room, and I and and I was going to a lot of different meetings, and and I was noticing that there were there was there were some people that really had something going on, and and they were they were happily married, they were gainfully employed, you know, they're. Their cars didn't look like they were all dented up. You know, there were some people that had some, and they were happy, and but serious. And so, and every one of those guys had something I didn't have, and that was a sponsor, whatever that was. I needed to hire one of those guys. I didn't know what it was. But I was at a meeting, and I heard a man across the room say my truth out loud better than I could have articulated mm-hmm. it. And and I didn't realize it at the time, but now I know that that was a spiritual experience. That hearing my insides coming out of his mouth—I mean, he—and and but the other big difference was he was happy, and I was not. And I had a voice—I mean, almost—or a feeling or whatever it was—came over me and said, "You need to go up to that man, and you need to thank him for what he said." And and my this was not my habit. You know, my habit at the end of the meeting was to, you know, at the amen, I was already halfway out the parking lot. But this time I stuck around and I waited and I waited for that guy and I went up to him and I said, buddy, I want to thank you, you know, for what you said. That was just extremely helpful to me. And he looked at me and he said, hey, I hadn't seen you around here before. You knew. And I said, "No, I've been coming for two weeks. <laughs> I am not. I am not, not new. I have really figured this thing out. You people are not that clever, you know. You know." And uh, he, but I mean, with all the seriousness, he looked at me. He, there was this great diagnostic. He said to me, "He said two weeks. He says that's that's a long time." And then he said, "How are you sleeping?" Isn't that great? Because you know in two weeks, you know how you know you ain't sleeping, you know, you're waking up at three in the morning trying to solve problems that don't exist. You know, your mind is a is a chessboard on crack, you know, flying around (laughs) with all the pieces and possibilities like a Rubik's cube just spinning with Mm -hmm. solutions that don't matter. And I and so we started talking about sleep and you know, of course, at this point, I'm only hearing about every third word and I'm trying to understand exactly what he's talking about. I, you know, he, he told me later that it seemed there was steam coming off of me, he said. I, you know, and anyway, they, we, we talked. He did most of the talking. They turned the lights out. He said, come on outside. And this is what happened. He, he looked at his watch And he said, oh, my gosh, I've got to go. And I don't know if you've ever had words come out of your mouth without having your brain engaged. But there were words that flew out of my mouth. And the words were, what do you think I ought to do now? Mm. And he reached in one pocket and he pulled out an old receipt. And he reached in the other pocket and he pulled out a pen with no cap on it. And I thought, he's an idiot. What, he's like some kind of recovery savant or something. Like what? He doesn't have a cap on the pen in his front pocket. What? And then he scribbled down his phone number and he handed it to me. And he said, why don't, why don't you call me tonight and we'll talk about it? And the next words that flew out of my mouth were, what time? Because my schedule was really open at this point. There was nobody like, you know, burdening me with any career advice or, you know, uh, company directions or anything at this point. And he seemed a little stunned by the question. Oh, well, call me about seven. And, And I went home and... You know, waited until the crack of seven, dialed the last digit, and when he answered, I said, hey, do you remember me? (laughs) I'm the guy that you met in the morning meeting. And he said, yeah, I remember you. You're two weeks. Wow. And, And that, we started, and being able to connect, here's the point, being able to connect with one man, that was the key because trying to connect to the group was too big for me. I was too isolated. I was too hurt. I was too sad. I was too alone. But if I could connect with one man and figure out, you know, with his guidance, tell him the truth by doing an inventory and sharing the truth with him, and then he was able to very slowly, I opened up to the other, the other people. And, I, and the stories is what won me over, you know, I mean, the stories that were told, um, I just came to recognize that, um, well, I'll never forget. Can you handle one more story? (laughs) Please. I'll never forget. I'm sitting in a meeting and now this was, it was lunchtime and and I was so blessed. There was a 12-step meeting that was just right by where I worked. So I could leave at lunch. I could be there and And so, and I would just sit there by the door, which was like prime real estate, and just wait for the, you know, meeting and just listen to what, hear what I needed to hear, and then get out of there, go back to work, because see how I'm isolating still. And there was a lady who was there, and one time and she she was wonderful because one time somebody called on her and she said, I'm mad and I'm angry and I'm not gonna talk. Thanks for letting me share. And I thought, oh, I love her. <laughs> oh, she's, oh, she's, she's the real deal. Well, she's what she this she sat over here. She looked like she had passed out in a tanning bed. <laughs> she resembled a piece of luggage, and I loved her. And I'm sitting there, I mistakenly got to the meeting a little early. I'm sitting by the door. And I'm staring at my shoes that didn't want to talk to anybody. And she comes. I'm looking down and I see her shoes walking by me. And I'm thinking she's going to get a cup of coffee. And 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 her the toes of her shoes turn toward me. And I went, oh Lord. And I saw her knees bending. And I slowly lifted my gaze. I looked her right in the eyes. She bent down in me and poked her finger in my face. And she said, you're one of us. And she slowly stood up and turned and went and got a cup of coffee. And that's exactly what I needed to hear because I was pretending that I wasn't one of them. And from that moment on, I dropped the guard, and I started becoming one of them instead of an observer. Like I was orbiting the planet recovery and not (laughs) allowing the capsule to land. Mm -hmm. I had to plant my flag. Mm -hmm. Wow. I don't know, Ron. I see that in the groups that we're getting to do, and I see that. I see the men orbiting and oh yeah, you know it's the it's the connection. You, you say it better than anybody I've ever mm, met. It's the personal connection.
1: Well, I think that that's it just in my own journey. You know, you and I've talked about this, and you know, I, I love the twelve steps. I I mean, I believe it's God's gift to mankind you in bet. the twentieth century. Mm-hmm. Um, And I always say, if you want to learn how to do Christian, uh, if churches would just live, eat, breathe, teach and the 12 steps, we wouldn't have to worry about sharing the gospel because we would be attractive Um, and people would be like, I I want what they have. That's right. Um, I mean, that's my experience with people that have been in recovery over the long haul. And I tell these guys all the time, it's like, man, I If I find something better, um, I'm open to it. I'm looking for it. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll, I'll start doing infomercials, and I'll get you to help me, and we'll be flying around in a jet or something, go. right? That's because, right. but I just haven't found anything that works other than the cure for addiction, uh, the antidote. It is connection. That's right. And 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 you you know, guys, as you say, orbiting the planet recovery. Um, you know, we it's it's like. You, you and that's okay, you know. You, as sure. long as you're kind of in the room, right? And and you may not be engaging, but you're going to be hearing things, right. and, and then over time, once a, once a guy engages, you know, everything begins to
2: change. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I, you know, but I had to take that first step. You know, it was it was when right. I reached out to a man and yep. connected you know with him and it and because i had that i mean i'm serious it was a spiritual experience i didn't know it at the time mm-hmm. but um but i had to then take the take that step and thank god he was open you know to then work with me and uh and that that was the beginning and it's slow i mean i didn't get into these problems you know in in months i wasn't going to get out of them in months But the other part of this is, is I, I wasn't, I, I could not compartmentalize my recovery because whether it was food, relationships, sex, alcohol, substance, it just didn't matter. I I needed to, I, I was suffering from all these different things. And there was a time, there was a time before I found real recovery that I thought to myself that I really, I knew I really had a, problem. And so I thought, well, I'll just, I'll just pray, join a church. I'll find me a church girl and I'll turn this thing around. I know exactly what to do, you know? So I did. I found me a church girl, got married. You know, I'm real good at that. And, uh, (laughs) and found a church home and wound up the Sunday school director of a thousand family church. Doing stadium crusades in South America. I did two stadium crusades as a team leader and then two medical missions in Antigua. And and at the end of that, I did and then became a deacon, made a commitment to not drink alcohol. And at the end of that, you know, two things happened. Number one, I came to the realization that well, Jesus drank wine. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the good stuff, if I recalled the story accurately. But the other thing was, at the end of that time, my I, I weighed 285. I, and, and without realizing it, I had substituted food that whole time. I nested, I, was, I was still in pain because I hadn't made that connection, mm-hmm. Ronald, that you talk about so well. And that was what was missing was connection, and honesty. I wasn't getting honest. I found that the church was was a, a great place to hide. They they weren't ever asking me to look at me. They were just asking me to be on the next committee. Serve. Mm. Serve. Mm-hmm. Right. Serve. And I could and I, I was gonna serve myself to death. And uh and and I ended up I could not reconcile with my relapse behaviors. And be involved in the church, so I left the church full blown addiction, and then and then had my had my crisis and and then my had to had to reconcile. Let's talk about for a second i I heard
0: you use a word. Inventory. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like language that both of you are very familiar with. Mm-hmm. So I, I think our listening audience so may have caught it as well. Like yeah. getting honest inventory after that point of connection, what does that actually look like? What did it look like for you?
2: Right. Well, keep it simple, you know, first of all, because if you Google personal inventories, you'll find ten thousand and there's and you can get entire books on how to do a personal inventory. I believe with a newcomer don't take them to college. Like, let's keep it simple. So for me today and the men that I work with, it becomes three things. It's it's what are you angry about? Give me a list, you know, a list of the things you're angry about. And and a lot of times, if I, depending on the, on the client, I may want it to contain it a little bit. Give me your top, <laughs> Ten, <laughs> you know, I don't need the top hundred things you're angry about because you, yeah. you'll see the you'll yeah. see the pattern pretty quick. The second <laughs> is what are you afraid of? I want to know what what is where's that's what's underneath. That's one of the character defects that we say in twelve step land, but that's one of the things that's eating us. And then the last of it is who have you hurt? Who have you hurt? Mm-hmm. And so when we get the list of all of that, then the magic is in the telling. Because now the client is going to tell and get honest about by telling their story. Because you get those three things down on paper and you start to tell those stories, the truth is revealed. And once the truth is revealed, then we, now we're going to go into prayer. You know, now we're gonna. We've identified the character defects: abject anger, uh, you know, hurting people in various ways, which would be some selfishness and self-centeredness, and and then and then living in fear. And so we say, well, you know, are you ready to change? You know, you ready to let go of those things? So in in prayer together, we commit ourselves that we want to let go of those things, and we're ready to change. And and then we move into the amends process where we'll identify the ways that we need to 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 try to rectify the wrongs we've made in a spiritual loving uh, way, and uh, that where people don't get harmed and damaged by that by over revealing. I mean, it depends. I mean, you know, this used to happen to me at the uh, at Gentle Path when the clients would come up to me and they'd say. Uh, Hey, I'm I'm thinking about, you know, doing a disclosure with my wife. What do you think? And I would say, that's not a step. <laughs> <laughs> there's no, there's no, there's no step. Now that is a therapeutic, you know, that's a therapeutic endeavor that you need your therapist with. And you need to completely, you know, I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying that's not. Part of this yeah. recovery process. Yes, right. Don't
1: try this at home. Don't. Yeah. Try, thank you thank
2: you. Don't try this at home. That's yeah. right.
0: Yeah, I think that's beautifully said. It reminds me, uh, Roan, of something that you've you've spoken on this podcast before that we we simply mirror what's been modeled for us. Mm -hmm. And you had a man uh, with an uncapped pen in his pocket (laughs) uh, model something for you that was unique. It was Mm -hmm. external to your life experience. And uh, I, I can identify with, and I think many of our listeners can, that we weren't modeled what it looked like to connect no, that's um that's exactly yeah. right. So I too was raised by a Marine, a wartime Marine. I thought you looked familiar. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, uh, and after he came back from war, he be- decided to become a high school principal mm-hmm. and uh, took that same approach mm-hmm. <laughs> to, the, to that job as well. Um, as I've worked uh, with Roan over the years, I understand my father gave me 100% of what he could. Right. Uh, maybe it wasn't 100% of what I needed. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think there's a lot of freedom in expressing in this medium that some of us wobble for an extended period of time, not because we're slow or not because we're just totally depraved and we're just destined to just F this thing up for the rest of our lives because it's how God built us. Mm -hmm. It's because we didn't see Mm -hmm. in the appropriate time, Mm -hmm. we did not learn what we were supposed to. Yeah. Uh, in order to live as healthy
2: adults, is that it? am that I is, that is, No, that is in fact that's even that's particularly well stated, and and so I agree with you one hundred percent. I did not have a north star, mm-hmm. an emotional north star to guide me you know, and it wasn't because my dad was not a bad man. He, he just, he couldn't give me what was not given to him. And my mom, you know, what didn't, she had, she was a little better equipped, but still I did not get what I needed. And I don't blame, I don't blame them for that. They, they're not at fault. And, and so I've had to reconcile with that. Um, I, but, but recovery Heals those things. I'll tell you one you another story. Oh yeah, this is a quick this is a quickie. So I was about a year into my recovery process, and I was asked for the first time to tell my story. And this particular venue, I was going to tell my story. They would record it for you and give you the CD. So I tell my story, and I get the CD, and I go home and put it in my computer and load it in the little cup holder tray that slides it in, and it did magically. Put it somewhere in there. I had no idea where. And then later, the iPods started coming out. I got an iPod and I had all my music CDs. I started loading music all on this through the computer. And then I would like to just put the, you know, listen to the iPod, put it on random and take long walks through the neighborhood. So about five, six years later, I'm walking through the neighborhood and I hear me. And I'm listening to that story. And here's the thing. I had a better childhood than he had. Uh, you, you hear what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, I had healed, and I had done some. now listen, i'll I'll always be healing and I'll always be reconciling. This is not a, don't let me say, this is not an end game, but I was so much better six, seven years later. Because I could feel the pain in that man's voice, and I could feel the hurt, mm-hmm. and mm. he still was holding on to some anger and some resentment, and and I had I had really through the through the recovery process, I had come to recognize that not only had I been living in abject fear, that that meant that my dad, who I thought was bulletproof, who was like some the love child between John Wayne and Bear Bryant, <laughs> you, you know, dang. <laughs> He, 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 That's quite a combo. <laughs> well, I, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Hang on with that one for a while. Because <laughs> yeah. he would walk into a room and change the barometric pressure. Mm. You know, he commanded him when he walked in. Everybody knew it, and and he could spend he could spend a minute with you in conversation and walk away and tell you everything you need to know about that guy. And and this is what he used to tell me: never trust a man who doesn't drink. In that, in that, great. Never try because they were unpredictable to him. Mm. You see, they they were they were they were riding the line. You see, mm. he wouldn't know how to motivate them, but a drinker, yeah. oh, he knew how to motivate them. Mm. You see, so you know that, and I have that in me. You know, we yeah. we got it mm-hmm. right. Yeah, we know how to do. We know how to how to do a Marine Corps dressing down. Because it was done to us, oh, yeah. yes our, sir, yeah, and, and so there that's in us, yeah,
0: yeah, that anger and that get big piece, and you know interestingly enough you you talk about you know where what are you angry with and then what are you mm-hmm. afraid of, mm-hmm. and then it's I think it's a beautiful place in a man's journey. And, and, and another person has to take a person there. You don't get there by yourself, no, right? No, uh, no, But to be able to look back over those things that at one time you were just so angry about mm-hmm. and to be able to extend grace to those that came before us mm-hmm. because people have helped us extend grace to ourselves. That's right. To be able to reach back and say, over my Marine father, there's a lot of stuff in that story. And to be in a place of freedom, I don't even have to know that stuff. Mm-hmm. I just know by looking at the effects, it must have been pretty intense. Right. And I can extend grace over that and spend time with uh, my father and appreciate f- him for who he is. That's right. Not f- uh, not be angry at him for who
2: he wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. Right. That's, that's right. Word. Because, because we've been, because there's been some healing that's taken place, you know, and... Uh, and and we start to see the reality, you know, there's some, some will say, you know, there's, there's what happened to me. And then there's what I think happened to me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> you know, right? But, but yeah. yeah, you say that, you say that really well. And, uh, and, and there is that reconciliation, you know, and it, it happens over time. I lost my dad. I lost my dad before I got sober. So I needed to write to my dad in the grief recovery process. Mm-hmm. I needed to write to him and I needed to reconcile, you know, with him. And, and I needed to share that with someone because you're right. I can't, all of this stuff, I can't do it alone. The healing is not in the writing of this stuff down. The healing is in the sharing. That's the magic. That's where God shows up. You know, God shows up when I share it with another man because, and here's the miracle, it heals us both. When I listen to a man's story, I get better, right? Right? Absolutely, and, uh, it, it heals mm-hmm. me, yeah. and so so there's that there there's that. Th- this is the place. This place. This place of honesty about what's happened to us. This is where God shows up, and this is what heals the whole room. And Ron, it happened mm. the other night. Mm-hmm. That that room got healed, baby. Um, it's awesome. I'm telling you, it it's real. was.
0: Ron, don't you think that's a big a big part of your work uh, and and Eva's work as well of taking these places that are just average spaces. At average times and making them sacred yeah. with storytelling,
1: it, it, it is certainly. I think you know the idea of you know collecting the dots and connecting the dots and correcting the dots, and so often, uh, you know, so many guys, it's like you know the, it, it's like walking into a movie uh, with and the movie's got about twenty minutes left to go, and you walk in, and you're like. Man, who's the good guy here? Who's the bad guy? Mm. It's like we don't know our own stories, and we haven't collected the dots, figured out how did we get here, and the connection of those dots, and then working to correct them. And you know, you've know, you experienced it. We've seen it, uh, the idea of just simply telling your story. In some environment, some setting is where the magic happens. Right. I mean, it's, it's amazing when you create that environment uh, of safety, right, I mean, <laughs> that's rare uh, mm. just to have a safe environment to be able to share. It's like, you know, at church you get put on the prayer list or something and, you know, you don't ever want to be on the prayer list. That's, <laughs> that's not good. That's uh, right. And, but because it's just not safe, people are going to be like, you know, oh, it's always the worst of those, you know, silent prayers, secret prayers. Mm. You, know. well, you might you might get a casserole. Un- unspoken, yeah. unspoken. Unspoken, unspoken prayer requests. Right. Right. I mean, that goes to the top of the gossip list that's just how that works and so it but you create a space where where it of safety because the thing of it is um we don't trust right we've grown up in these homes with the marine corps dad or the narcissist dad you know that that was mine and and then uh, step fokker um do we need to edit that out there's a movie called that's fine that's right i mean there was a movie Mm -hmm. that's all it's our affectionate name but we grew up in these homes and like we don't have a clue on what it means to like like we don't even trust anybody Mm -hmm. if i really talk about what i'm thinking or what i'm feeling it's not gonna go well and Mm -hmm. so because it's not safe right and so safety has to be created and it's just as simple as creating a safe space, knowing that what I say in this room or on that deck up at Deer Camp, uh, it is not going any further. And mm-hmm. so, man, I might be able to begin to open up, and and then healing comes as we just confess, tell our story, mm-hmm. whatever we want to call it, mm-hmm. right? It's how it is supposed to work.
0: I think through this podcast, this medium where are I mean, that's really what we're attempting to do here is to cast that net wider, it, because if more of us are creating safe places, yeah. then mm-hmm. you know there are more places of safety for stories to be shared, to be mirrored. Right. Um, I mean, I think that's kind of the goal here, right? Through the sex God, and chaos deal, even the name conveys, we're acknowledging <laughs> that there are a lot of unsafe places out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we all have the power within us to take average moments and create sacred spaces for stories to be shared, if
2: <laughs> if we know our own. Right, if we know our own. I can't take somebody somewhere where I haven't been. That's you know, right. That's where I have to. It's the foundation of all of that is my own work, and then and the blessing is is that I get to sit. I get to sit with men and and uh, and. I made a commitment a while back. I left the industry I was in and just decided I was gonna help as many men as I possibly could and uh, developed some workshops and traveled the country and carried this message of recovery to all kinds of groups. and. It's been it's been the greatest it's been the greatest journey of my life. This is kind of what I was supposed to do all along. Mm-hmm. It just took me. I had to go kind of to take a hard road to get there. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's I got my street cred. <laughs> yeah, that's you, it. You know, and so now you know, so I can identify with, with men who are hurting, and it's it's unbelievable how many of them come to me and they've got family origin stuff that is kind of the foundation of it. That's kind of where we end up. With a lot of it, and and I can sit with them without judgment, yeah. and love them, and listen to them, and take them through this journey that I've been on, and and invite them along. Hmm. You know, That's join beautiful. join us. Yeah,
1: and and it really is just the idea of like we're not blaming.
2: No,
1: we're just naming. We're just naming it. That's right. This is these are the facts. This was the impact. Mm-hmm. This was the track. Fit, F I T, and that's all it is. I've, I've just gotta live in reality. Yeah. This stuff actually happened, and it's okay to tell it.
2: That's right. Yeah. And I want to invite all the listeners. If you haven't connected with us in some of these groups or Deer Camp, please join us because the this this journey that I've been on that I found that was. It was just really given to me by the grace of God, and, uh, and, the, and I, my recovery will be enhanced by giving it away. You know, So I need, to, I need to be there with you. Please join us. Please join us on this journey. It's a miracle, and you deserve to be free.
0: To learn more about what you've heard today and to engage with the Sex, God, and Chaos team, visit sexgodchaos.com you